0: You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. Let's just take a moment and um, just hone in on the heartbeat of God. I'm going to pray over our word this morning. And as I do that, just invite God into your heart right now and ask Him to speak to you in the areas of your life that. Maybe need some dealing with. Jesus, I invite you into this word that you've inspired me to share. I ask that you would speak through me, that you would direct my words. And that through those words you would minister to the people here today. And that they would experience your heart for them. And I pray that we wouldn't shy away from the hard things that God asks us to do sometimes. That we wouldn't shy away from the conviction we may feel when we hear the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have hiked a mountain before? Just raise your hand. Okay, most of you. That makes a lot of sense based on where we live. We've got Acadia right in our back door, got all kinds of mountains to hike over there. we got Blue Hill, and there's all kinds of mountains around to hike. I've gone on many hikes before, it's a regular um, activity that our youth group goes and does. This past summer, I went on a little solo trip out to Mount Desert Island. Um, I had intended on climbing every mountain on the island in two months. And that failed after the first trip. (laughs) I'm still going to do it. I I swear, this summer, I'm going to do it. Because I want to do a a sunrise hike of Cadillac. But I feel like I have to, like, I've got to earn it, you know? Like, I've got to just, I've got to... Put in the work to get it up there. So, but anyways, um, I, w- I took a solo trip out to Acadia this past summer, and I hiked two mountains, Flying Mountain and saint Sevier Mountain. And we can pop a image up there. Um, so this is, well, once it gets up there, it's going to be me at the peak of saint Sevier. Beautiful view. Beautiful view. Not so much the guy over there. As you can see, it's a little, I'm a little red on, on the cheeks, and that's because I was absolutely exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. Um, I it had been a little bit maybe since I'd last hiked a mountain, and um, I thought, oh, it's you know I'm 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 young, I can I can hike two mountains. It's fine. It's no big deal. And, and in reality, by the time I got to the top here, I was so. Tired. My legs were shaking because they were so fatigued. My whole body was sore. My chest hurt, and I was sweating. And I still had to climb all the way down the mountain, and then (laughs) I had to go home. Like I had to go drive home. My legs were shaking as I was driving. So it had been a little bit since I'd hiked a mountain, and so it was it was quite the challenge. How many of you have heard of Mount Sinai? I'm sure probably most of you have, um, because it's one of the most prominent biblical locations. Um, so it's, it's an area, it's a place that God repeatedly, um, showed his glory, um, to his people. So this is a diagram of Saints of your mountain, just a very simple representation, um, Do any of you know how tall Saints of Your Mountain is by any chance? Yeah. Yes. So I looked it up. It says it is 679 feet tall. So yeah, a little under 800 feet. So just remember, this is the mountain that I was dying tired by the time I got to the top of it. Okay. How many of you, does anybody know how tall Mount Sinai is? Mount Sinai is 7,497 feet tall. Nearly 7,500 feet tall. Just for comparison, here's Saints of Your Mountain next to Mount Sinai. (laughs) That's how many times you could stack it up. It's actually almost exactly 10 times larger or taller than Saints of Your Mountain. Okay? 10 times. 10 times taller. Let's throw another mountain up there just to give you a little bit more context. Cadillac Mountain, the tallest mountain on the island, is a whopping 1,530 feet tall. You could fit five Cadillac Mountains and stacked on top of each other to reach the height of Mount Sinai. Now, I'm, I'm sure probably a lot of you know where I'm going with this. What is probably the most famous story from the Bible involving Mount Sinai? the Ten Commandments, where Moses climbed Mount Sinai in order to receive the Ten Commandments. Let's turn there and see kind of what that was all about. you are going to go to Exodus 19. And we're going to start right at the beginning. We're going to read through the whole chapter. Exodus 19. Exodus <clears> 19. <throat> We're going to read this chapter in chunks and kind of discuss it as we go through. So we're going to start with our first little chunk. We're going from uh, chapter 19, verse 1 through 7, okay? And I'm going to read it. I have the NLT, so go ahead and read along with me. Exodus 19. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp... At Raphidium, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Chapter, verse 7. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. All right, stop there. So when we're reading the Bible, it can be really easy to forget that these were real things that real people did. Moses was an actual, very human man that climbed a 7,500-foot a mountain to see God. Okay? We read the sentence, then Moses climbed the mountain, and we kind of just gloss over it, because the way that the Bible is written, it doesn't really go into the, those kind of details. We don't really get the thoughts of Moses and how he was feeling as he was climbing the mountain because it's just not really important to the story. But that can cause us to forget that Moses was a real person. And he probably was a little bit upset, maybe, that he had to climb a 7,500-foot mountain and then back down to give the Egypt- the Israelites like a one-paragraph message. Maybe. And I think we also, in the age that we live in, in the era that we live in, kind of maybe forget the privileges that we have compared to the people of the past. So Moses had to climb a 7,500-foot mountain without any climbing gear or hiking boots or a nylon windbreaker or shelf-stable granola bars or sunglasses or sunscreen or bug spray or probably even underwear. I mean, that's just how they lived back then, okay? Not to mention the fact that there weren't any pre-made trails. This was in Cadillac Mountain where you can just follow the clearly marked trails up the mountain and and not have to try to push your way through the brush and oh this way that i've been going for the last 10 minutes is covered in rocks i've got to go back and figure out another way through like this man was trailblazing his way up the side of a rock with maybe a haversack which is like this leather skin, uh, animal skin sack that had maybe some provisions in it. And all he had on his feet were sandals. This guy probably had bloody feet. He was dirty. He was hot and sweaty. This stuff was real. Like Moses actually did this. It's just insane. It's crazy. So let's keep this in mind as we continue to read, okay? We're going to go to verse 8. So Moses climbs the mountain, he gets the message from God, he returns to the people, he gathers all the elders, and tells them everything that the Lord had commanded him. And uh, starting at verse 8, And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord, which, remember, that involves climbing a mountain. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. And that whole paragraph there, he just kind of gives a description of what's going to happen. We're going to skip over that um, because you'll see it in a moment. But we're going to go down to uh, verse 14. So Moses, so Jesus uh God gives Moses this kind of explanation, hey, I'm going to come and visit the people and and I'm going to do all this stuff and mark off the mountains so that the people don't die because they can't enter my glory. And so then verse 14, so Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship and and they washed their clothes as the Lord had instructed them earlier. He told them get ready for the third day and until then abstain from having sexual intercourse. Um 20. Um, Okay. Sorry. I just had to get my place. Continuing to read verse 16 on the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long loud blast from a ram's horn and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed in the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on top of the mount, on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain again. All right, we're going to stop there. We have to just take a moment and just think about what is going through Moses' head. This is now the third time that he's having to climb up this mountain, just at this point, to just play messenger. I mean, that's all he's doing at this point. And so this reads kind of like it's all happened in an afternoon. But, I mean, this is probably days, if not a week, of his time that he's taking up, climbing up and down and up and down and up and down. And so I think most of us would probably on this third hike up the mountain be thinking, what are you doing, God? Like, (laughs) why are you requiring me to climb this mountain every time? Why, why, why can't you just come and visit me in the comfort of my tent or even the tabernacle? I'll be fine with that. I'll walk over to the tabernacle tent. That's fine with me. But why do I have to repeatedly climb this mountain to talk to you? I think if we're being honest, we probably all would be thinking that. I think we would all be feeling this question of, I've got to climb this mountain again. Now, the interesting thing is that this is not the first, and it's not the last time that God calls his followers to meet him on the mountaintop. We're not going to jump to the spots right now, but I want to give you the scripture references so you can go home and read them. So write these references down. Genesis 22, the whole chapter. This is when God told Abraham to take his son Isaac up the mountain and sacrifice him. Matthew 17, the whole chapter. This is when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain to witness His transfiguration. And Matthew 28, you can read the whole chapter. I would encourage you to to get context, but the emphasis is on chapter 16, uh, verse 16 through 20. Um, and that is when, again, Jesus called His disciples to meet him on a mountaintop so that he could give the Great Commission and give his disciples and all Christians their lifelong mission. So I'll just read those again. Genesis 22, Matthew 17, Matthew 28, and of course Exodus 19, which we're reading right now. In each of these moments... God requires his followers to come to him. And there's just something unique about that. I think ever since Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, I think since that point, there's kind of been this shift. There's been this shift in Christianity where we kind of expect God to meet us and and there is lots of goodness to that because in the past there was this religious and honestly it was it was instituted by god this separation of god from humanity because of their sin that that had that infected them and that god could not come and meet with his people personally one on one and so, when that veil was torn, when Jesus died, and and um, and took the blame of all the sin and, and cleaned that with his blood, it enabled God to meet with his people one on one in their own home and wherever they happened to be. He could meet with them, and that's good. I'm not. I'm not knocking on that. I'm just saying, in our own hearts, and our own perception of things, and in our culture, there's been this. The shift, I think, where we kind of expect God to come and meet us where we're at. But here we see multiple moments when God says, no, you come meet me. You come meet me. You're kind of, you need to come up to my level. And this was, this was even when Jesus was around. So it's not like an Old Testament thing. Clearly, there is some significance to this. There's some reason that this has happened multiple times. So There's these moments that we see where God is saying, I have something amazing for you. I'm about to flip the script on you. I'm about to change the way you see the world. I'm about to reveal a deeper spiritual truth. And take you to another level of faith. But first, you must climb this mountain. Let's go back to Moses real quick. See what happens next. Exodus 19, 21. Verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses... So, at this point, Moses has climbed the mountain three times. And the mountain is engulfed in flames and smoke... And all the Israelites are are huddling around the mountain, but they're not allowed to go on to the mountain. It's been boarded off. Then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord, or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to the mountain. You already warned us. You told me, mark off a boundary all around the mountain to, see it, uh, to set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or the people break through to approach the Lord, or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord had said. This is interesting. Because Moses can go up the mountain. But the Israelites, they can't even step past the boundary of the mountain. Or the Lord will break out and destroy them. And it actually even says earlier on, when, when the Lord is kind of giving him the directions of how to guard off the mountain because he's going to come. The Lord says that if anybody does pass the boundary, human or animal, that they are to be killed rather than allow them to come back or approach the mountain. So, like, there, there is seriousness to this. This is, like, a threat of death. This is... And so... Why can Moses climb the mountain, but the Israelites can't? Apparently, even Aaron can come up. But the Israelites cannot, or they'll be destroyed. I think the key to all of this is right here in this, this scripture here. It's because they're stuck in the mindset of the past. You've got to remember that the Israelites, these people are the same people that a couple chapters ago were whining about God saving them from Egypt because they were a little hungry. They were like, I wish we were back in Egypt because at least then we had food. We might have been slaves, but at least we were fed. That was the Israelites. So clearly, they're still stuck in this mindset of the past. They're still kind of bound by their past way of doing things. Moses, on the other hand, he's chosen to take the next step. He walked out in faith and came before Pharaoh, trusting God that he would provide. He split the sea, trusting that God would provide. All of this, he's done by faith. I mean, and, and, and you read and you see the miracles that God performed because of, because of Moses' faith. Just a couple of chapters earlier, there's a, there's a lake that they show up to just a little bit after they leave Egypt and it's bitter water. And the Lord told Moses to throw a log into the water and all of a sudden it's clean. It's like, it's just blind faith. I mean, Moses is just kind of doing this because he's like, I don't know, God said, hey, look at that, it worked. Like, this is not like intuitive. This is a faith thing. Moses is at this point functioning 100% on faith. So, he's gone to this point where he's no longer bound by his ancestors' way of doing things. He's no longer bound by the past. He's taken that next step. He's, taken, he's gone to that next level that God is calling him to. And I think that's what it's all about. This is... This is not about... God trying to make a point. This is God saying you can't be bound to the way of your past. You can't still rely on that. You have to step out in faith and trust that I'm going to meet you at the top of this mountain. It's about climbing the mountain even when doubt comes and your strength wavers and you feel like you're not going to make it this time. It's about continuing to climb, even in those moments. I really like the way that Tyler Schionte put it. He, uh, he wrote an article, Why Does God Have Everyone Climb a Mountain to Meet Him? And it kind of inspired me to go down this, this route. He, he puts it like this. I wonder how often the men and women in the Bible thought to turn back. I wonder how often turning around, giving up the quest, going back home was more attractive than blind faith. I'm sure Abraham, Moses, and the disciples thought so. I'm sure doubt seeped through the cracks of their faith, causing them to wonder why they're doing this in the first place. I think that is why God wants to meet us on mountains. Not to indulge in a belief that we're somehow closer to him. Not to make us suffer more. But for us to commit. For us to know that we are in it for the long haul. That despite hours of sweaty work and temptation to turn around, we find we have the strength all along to do what he asked. It's simple, really. You say you trust in God, so prove it. By doing what he says, even if that is to climb a mountain where he said you will meet you at the top. Could I have the worship team come up? God is calling to us. If you haven't heard it yet, if you haven't felt it in your bones yet, then you haven't been listening hard enough. There's something new happening here. There truly is. I've been going to this church for my entire life. And yet, I can feel that there's something different about this year. Something different about this time. And a big part of that is God calling us to climb our mountain. Each one of us has a mountain that we've got to climb. Just like the very human Very real people we read about in the Bible. We have a choice to make this year. Are we going to stay bound to our old way of living? Are we going to allow those things to prevent us from entering into the glory of God? Or are we going to begin to climb this mountain? Now, don't get me wrong. It's going to be a process. It's going to take time. And that's why our theme for this whole year is all about this. It's all about stepping into a heart posture, a lifestyle of intercession. We each have a mountain in our lives. And and for us... It's no longer about a physical mountain. Though God may ask you to climb a mountain, who knows? I'm not saying he won't. And I think there is something beautiful about honoring and recognizing God's creation when you're on top of a mountain. There is something special about that. But I'm talking about spiritual, emotional mountains in our lives. Talking about spiritual devotion to God. Are you willing to sacrifice the things that mean the most to you so that your backpack's a little lighter? Are you willing to stub your toes and bash your feet on the rocks and roots that are the turmoil in your life that you've allowed to stay there? Are you willing to put in the work and work up a sweat In your prayer closet. How far are you willing to climb in order to reach the greater glory that God has for you? It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to require sacrifice. I'm just being honest with you. Like, It's going to require work it's going to require you to give up some things that you really thought were important to you. But when you get to that top of that mountain, and God speaks to you in his thundering voice, I guarantee you that it will all have been worth it. And just like Tyler said, you're going to realize that you had the strength all along. God is calling to us. He's crying out from heaven, just waiting for us to commit, to take that next step. I'm not saying today that any of you aren't walking with the Lord. That's not what I'm saying. This is about the next step and the next step and the next step. Not allowing yourself to get into that rut. Not allowing yourself to just go with the motions and do the things you've always done. This is a a year of new things. So God is calling to you. He's saying, here's your mountain, climb it. Meet with me. I need you to come to me so that I can give you new life. And each of you, I'm sure, know of some things in your life that need to change. That need to be left on the wayside that need to be readjusted so you can climb better. So are you going to stay on the ground and allow your past to keep you ensnared? Or are you going to join with our church, with your church family, with your fellow Christians, and ascend this mountain? Today is your opportunity to take that first step.